With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip-hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Good morning, hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, got a terrific show for you. Ariel Epstein, she does some work with MSG Networks. She's also with FanDuel. She also does some work with the Sports Grid. Going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to get her take on some of the games for today. We're going to be talking to her, her taking my approach and really going game by game rather than looking at futures. We're also going to be talking to her just with regards to what we are seeing with regards to so many of these books now going action and how different games and how different bets call for a different way to bet them. So we're going to have a good chat in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys a sign in total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board in the MLB for Thursday and a little something I like to call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions. If there's something that you'd like answered on this podcast, fire that in my timeline at GRSquare one If you send these via DM, aka direct message. Well, the letter CM to me, me does not matter. I did get in one today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We get this one in from Tainted the Truth, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tainted the Truth. He puts in parentheses podcast question, and before I go any further, my commentary, absolutely. And he has that one Curious what the breakdown is, although macro sample size of run lines covering in extra innings with the news second base rule as compared to run lines 
in the 2019 and beyond year, specifically away teams after the Nationals run line cash on Wednesday. It is one of these things where it seems like two plus runs seems to be cashing a little bit more in extra innings. Does this place extra value on away run lines? Is the number already baked into that set? Also with solo home runs now, two run shots in extra innings, it seems like it would provide a little bit more value with the away run lines as well. Any thoughts? And this is one of these things where, for one, if you're handicapping an extra inning game, well, that is certainly a roll of the dice. I'm typically not handicapping a game thinking that it's going to be going to extra innings. And I think it actually works with both run lines when you take a look at the favorite just because I think that it actually lessens the value with taking a run and a half because you can easily see the home team with a walk-off home run. We all remember the first night of the season, the A's versus the Angels at walk-off Grand Slam. If you wind up having the plus run and a half with the LA Angels, even if it would have been just a two-run shot, your ticket goes down the toilet. We saw with the Washington Nationals, they were able to come up with a fourth spot in the ninth inning on Wednesday, and they were able to get the win. We saw it with the LA Dodgers. They were very much affected with being able to get that first batter of the 13th inning, and Edwin Rios up to bat. He winds up pelting a home run. They wind up winning that game by two, so I certainly do think that it works a little bit in the favor of laying a run and a half. It puts a little bit more value there. With that said, it's not something that I'm certainly going to be putting into too much of my handicapping, because if you're handicapping an extra inning game and you're saying, oh, I think that this team is going to be able to win with a walk off home run in the 11th inning that's oddly oddly specific and that's hoping for a whole lot of things to fall into place but with that said I do think that it does give you a little bit of value with laying the run and a half so appreciate that question now let's take a look back at everything that we saw in Major League Baseball on Wednesday in what I'm going to call the day of blown leads try to find out a little bit more of these teams try to find some trends and just have some fun talking some baseball Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. A few teams that did not wind up blowing leads wound up playing a little bit earlier in the day. The Milwaukee Brewers wind up taking down the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of three to nothing. Very encouraging for the Milwaukee Brewers that they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Ben Gamble was able to go deep off of Joe Musgrove for his first of the campaign, and then you wound up getting another home run off of Musgrove with Kesson Hira saying hip hip hurrah to his second home run of the year and his second home run of the series. If you're a Brewers fan, you gotta love the fact that Brandon Woodruff goes six and a third strong innings. He gives up one hit, he punches out ten. Bullpen from there, they're able to do their job as Josh Hader winds up getting the save in this one. Used only 12 pitches, so gotta think that he might be able to go if the team needs him on Thursday. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Joe Musgrove, not terrible start in this one. Five two-thirds innings. He does give up those two home runs, but he gives up three runs. Bullpen from there was very solid with Robbie Erland being able to give the team two innings. A combined three and a third for them. They don't give up anything, but problem for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they got one hit in this game. That's really what you're going to find with the Pittsburgh Pirates. A lot of guys like Adam Frazier, Josh Bell and company, they're just not hitting for average right now. That is a little bit of an issue there. What else is an issue for the Oakland A's is hitting with men in scoring position. As the Colorado Rockies wound up being able to get a 5-1 to win, they were able to get a pair of runs in the ninth inning thanks to an error. So there were a couple unearned runs at the Oakland A's bullpen wound up surrendering as Jesus Lazardo wound up coming in after Frankie Montas. He went three and two-thirds innings. He did give up three runs, but only one which was earned. That was due to the errors. And for Montas, he wound up giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Problem was, he had to evade some danger. He had to get out of a bases-loaded situation earlier in the game. That jacked up his pitch count a little bit. And then we did look at the Oakland A's. Their lone run of the game came in the first inning. A Matt Chapman first 
inning home run, his first of the campaign that came off of Juan Herman Marquez, who was very good in this one. For Marquez, he winds up being able to give the team six innings. He gives up that solo home run, eight punch-outs, and then from there, the bullpen, they're able to go three strong, and in this one, Colorado Rockies wind up leaving eight men on base. For the Oakland A's, they do the same. They just were unable to cash in on some bases loaded situations. A team that was able to cash in with one big inning, though, that'd be the Texas Rangers. The Arizona Diamondbacks had a 4-2 lead going into the bottom of the eighth. The Rangers, who had yet to play in over all year long, and I was actually doing the interview with Ariel while I was watching this game, and of course, I was just like, oh, there have been no overs so far this year for Texas and Globe Life. Well, this one goes over thanks to that big inning. 7-4, the Texas Rangers get a win. Joy Gallo was down in a count, 0-2 in the eighth inning. A questionable call winds up being called a ball. From there, he winds up being able to pound Andrew Chaffin for a home run his second of the campaign. The Todd father, Todd Frazier, he hit a ball that could not be refused by the fence. He gets his first of the campaign. That was off of Madison Bumgarner. Both starters wound up being solid in this one. For Bumgarner, five and a third innings, he winds up giving up two runs, including that home run. It was Chaffin who wound up giving up those three runs in the eighth inning. And then you also had Hector Rondon wind up giving up two runs out of the bullpen as well for the Arizona Diamondbacks and for the D-backs. They also had a bases loaded situation earlier in the game that they were unable to cash in on. And for the Texas Rangers, Lance Lynn gives up a one hit over the course of six innings. Bullpen from there did not do their job. Jesse Chavez winds up giving up a run. And then Jonathan Hernandez does the same in his inning. But the team was able to get a save out of Nick Goody. So, in the words of Nick Goody, that was very Goody. We were talking about this game a little bit earlier. Nationals get a 4-0 win in extra innings as Mad Max Scherzer was absolutely terrific for the Washington Nationals. 7-3 innings. He gets 10 strikeouts. Did get into a little bit of danger in the 8th inning and Danny Hudson was able to get him out of that. Danny Hudson winds up getting 5 outs out of the bullpen and then Tanner Rainey closed the door in the 10th inning. And for the Washington Nationals, nothing doing until extra innings. This game was 0-0 after 9 and then you wind up getting an infield single from Adam Eaton. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they wind up bringing in a player from overseas by the name of Shun Yamaguchi. He was traditionally a starter. Clearly, the bullpen is not for him. He wound up being the gentleman that lost the team the game against the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday as he wound up coming into the game, gave up two runs, one of which was earned. He comes into this game in the 10th inning. He pitches one inning. He gives up four runs, three of which were earned. Not necessarily the greatest of situations there. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they just weren't able to do anything with men in scoring position either. 0 of 8 with that regard. While the Washington Nationals, not doing a whole lot better. 2 of 13 with men in scoring position for them on this day as well. And speaking of teams that could not hit with men in scoring position, the Cleveland Indians. They wind up losing 4-0 to the Chicago White Sox for the Cleveland Indians. Brad Ann comes into this game and, well, he could not hold it down. He winds up coming in for a third of an inning. He gives up all four runs, three of which were earned. He was hurt by an error, but it really squandered what was an amazing start from Zach Lisek. We're not even going to call it good. We're going to call it amazing. Eight innings pitch. He gives up three hits, 11 strikeouts. Problem was, the Cleveland Indians drew across zero runs. All the White Sox runs came in the ninth inning themselves as the Indians wind up stranding seven men on base. The White Sox wind up stranding only four men on base. They had a couple fewer opportunities, but Lucas Giolito, very good in this start. After he wound up getting shelled by the Minnesota Twins, it helps to be able to play against the Cleveland Indians. Six strong innings. He doesn't give up a single run. And then from there, Evan Marshall, Aaron Bummer, Alex Colome, they close the door. They are able to get the W. And for the Chicago White Sox, the man that was able to drive in a couple of these runs, Luis Robert. He now has four RBI on the season. He was able to come up with a pair in that ninth inning to be able to give this team the win. A team that had no problems whatsoever scoring on Wednesday, that'd be the Cincinnati Reds. They were on to Cincinnati, and they take down the Chicago Cubs by a count of 12-7. For the Chicago Cubs, 
These splits of Kyle Hendricks are real. He winds up having that complete game shutout against the Brewers at home. And then on the road, four and a third innings, he gives up six runs, all of which were earned. That is Kyle Hendricks to a T. He gets shelled on the road. He winds up doing absolutely amazing at home. Bullpen from there now has an ERA that is north of nine for the Chicago Cubs. They wind up going in this one a combined three and two-thirds innings. They give up five earned runs, six total. You now have to rely upon Rex Brothers to be coming out of the bullpen. That's not necessarily something that you want. When Rex Brothers come in, you just say, oh, brothers. But one good thing for the Chicago Cubs, David Bodie gets a second home run in the campaign. That came in the ninth inning as the Cincinnati Reds wound up being able to get a very good start out of Sonny Gray. Six and two-thirds innings. He did allow two runs, but both of which were unearned. Eleven punch-outs in this one. The gentleman that wound up giving up that home run was Cody Reed. He gave that one up to David Bodie, but the game was in hand. And how about Mike Moussakis coming back into the fold for the Cincinnati Reds? He had been missing the last couple days, and you could tell that they were ecstatic to have him back. He winds up going deep off of Kyle Hendricks, and then you Nick Cassianos go deep off of Oh Brothers, and then Nick Senzel also gets a home run off of Oh Brothers as well. So, a very good day for the Cincinnati Reds. A terrific day for the LA Dodgers. It took 13 innings for them, but they get the job done against the Houston Astros by a count of 4-2. The hero, Edwin Rios, in the 13th inning, he comes up with a two-run shot. He was the first batter of the inning, and it winds up being Technically, like, a bases-clearing home run, even though the man that was on second did not get a hit, an error, anything like that. So that's a little bit interesting. His first campaign, and the team also got a home run earlier in the game from Corey Seager. That was his first of the campaign. That came off of a gentleman that actually provided a very good start for the Houston Astros and Christian Javier. He winds up going five and two-thirds innings. He gives up that solo shot. The bullpen did a really good job. I mean, for the Houston Astros, you wind up getting a grand total of seven and a third innings of relief. They wind up giving up in this one a grand total of three runs, but only one of which was earned. I think that the ghost runner or whatever you're going to call it that was on second base is one that was inherited. It's not necessarily an earned run for them, but it was Chris Need that wound up giving that up. And for the Houston Astros, just nothing doing for the team. They leave 15 men on base. 3 of 19 with runners in scoring position, so that was certainly a little bit rocky. And for the Dodgers, they certainly had to dive into their bullpen. 9 and 2 thirds innings. They wind up giving up one run, and that one run was a man that was placed on second base in extra innings, so they certainly did their part as Dustin May got the start. He wound up only being able to get the team 10 outs, got into a little bit of danger, and he was pulled from there. A team that faced a lot of danger, and they were unable to get out of it, the Tampa Bay Rays, as the Atlanta Braves get a 7-4 win in this one for the Hot Shell Rays. Charlie Morton winds up going five innings in this one. He gives up two runs, so it wasn't necessarily bad, but a bullpen that is typically reliable, they were unreliable in this one. They go a grand total of three innings. They give up five runs, four of which were earned including Adam Kittredge giving up a pair of runs. And then good old reliable Jose Alvarado winds up giving up a grand total of two runs, one of which was earned as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, what was big for this team was Freddie Freeman. Four of five in this game. We know that he had struggled with COVID-19. A little bit of a rough start to the year. So good to see him being able to bust out his first home run on the campaign that came off Charlie Morton. And then Mike Soroka. Three runs given up, two of which were earned in five and a third innings. Bullpen from there, they're able to do a solid job. Darren O'Day winds up giving up a run out of the pen, but from there, they wind up going three and two-thirds innings. They give up just that one run, so they were certainly able to do their part. And for the Atlanta Braves, they wind up leaving 10 men on base, so they certainly were able to get their opportunities on Wednesday, a team that was able to cash in on their opportunities late, the Kansas City Royals. They wind up losing to the Detroit Tigers by a count of 5-4. to four. The Royals get up in this game by a count of 4-0. to zero. And then Danny Duffy, the Duff man, was unable to deliver. He winds up giving up four runs. 
in five innings, including a home run going deep for the Detroit Tigers. That'd be one of their big additions in Jonathan Scope, his second of the campaign. And then you also had Jacoby Jones being able to get his third home run of the campaign. I don't think that too many 9-0 hitters have three home runs so far this year, but that's what the Detroit Tigers have. They're always an interesting team. And for the Kansas City Royals, the bullpen of Scott Barlow, Ian Kennedy, along with Tyler Zuber, were able to give a scoreless inning apiece. And for the Detroit Tigers, Matthew Boyd wound up getting lit up in this game once again. I think that he's perhaps the most overrated pitcher out there in baseball. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings. How about the bullpen, though? They wind up getting scoreless innings from a quadrant of guys. Joey Menez was able to get the save. You had Buck Farmer come in and look solid. Brian Garcia was able to give a scoreless inning. And then they were also able to get a scoreless inning out of John Schreiber. So they were able to piecemeal that game together. The Boston Red Sox wind up ruining Jacob deGrom Day. They get a 6-5 win over the New York Mets for the Boston Red Sox. They were able to get to Jacob deGrom in this one as deGrom winds up going six innings. He gives up two runs in the process, and then the bullpen can hold it down. Seth Lugo winds up giving up a solo shot. And then, of course, it's good old Justin Wilson, who gives up three runs over the course of two thirds of an inning as the New York Mets continue to be the New York Mets. And for the Boston Red Sox, a man that was able to provide that home run, Christian Vasquez, his second of the year as he had three RBI in this one. And for the Boston Red Sox, Nathan Eovaldi, a good start. Five innings, he gives up two runs. Bullpen got into some danger. I have a feeling I'm going to be saying that a lot about the Boston Red Sox bullpen this year. They wind up giving up three runs over the course of four innings, but Brandon Workman gets a very, very sweaty save in this one as for the New York Mets. They wind up getting 15 hits. They wind up going 3 of 14 with men in scoring position. They leave 11 men on base. But the good news is Brandon Nimmo was able to get his first home run of the year. And Ioannis Cespedes, it was Cespedes for the rest of us. He winds up getting his second of the campaign. A team from New York that had no problem driving men in. That'd be the New York Yankees. They take down the Baltimore Orioles by kind of 9-3. The Yankees just continue their absolute terror of the poor, hopeless Baltimore Orioles. DJ LeMayu, his first home run of the campaign. Aaron X is first. Aaron Judge is first of the campaign. And Garrett Cole looked terrific. He winds up going 62 thirds innings. He did wind up giving up three runs, but with that set bullpen from there, they were able to close out the game as Luis Avilon was able to give them an out. Brooks Kriske actually got a little bit of action and Caleb Green as well. For the Baltimore Orioles, being able to get a home run off of Mr. Garrett Cole, that'd be Dwight Smith Jr., his first of the campaign. But for the Baltimore Orioles, Asher Wojciechowski did not do what they were hoping for. He wound up giving up three bombs. Did give them five innings, so that's a little bit positive, but gives up five runs, four votes were earned. The poopy bullpen from there, they give up four runs over the course of four innings, so not necessarily ideal for the New York Yankees. They leave just six men on base while being able to point nine runs, so they certainly did their part. Speaking of doing their part, the Minnesota Twins, they shut out the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of three to nothing. For the Minnesota Twins, Rich Hill looked terrific in this one. Someone who is the oldest active pitcher in baseball right now, although that might change because Fernand Oh no! Rodney might be joining the Houston Astros, so lose that moniker. But with that said, Rachel, five scoreless settings. Bullpen from there, they all provide a scoreless inning as you had Tyler Clippard, Sergio Romo, Taylor Rogers, coupled with Ty Duffy all being able to do that. So they were able to hold down the fort and for the St. Louis Cardinals, just nothing doing for the team. A grand total of three hits. They didn't even get a men in scoring position and Daniel Ponce de Leon did not necessarily give the start that they were looking for. Three and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up three runs, eight punch outs, so that was good. But with that said, he also gave up a home run going deep for the Minnesota Twins. That would be Eddie Rosario, his first of the campaign. Give it up to the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen, though. They were very good in this one. Four and a third innings of scoreless baseball. You had Andrew Miller come in. Ryan Hazelli was able to do a solid job, so they still have a solid bullpen. With that said, they need to get the bats awoken. These bats were awoken. The San Francisco Giants 
We're down 6-2 to the San Diego Padres. They wind up mounting a big rally with three in the eighth inning and then a walk-off home run in the ninth to be able to get a 7-6 win for the San Francisco Giants. Mikey Strzemski had the walk-off home run. Yes, that is a relation to good old Carl Strzemski, the Boston Red Sox legend for Yes. He goes deep twice in this game. His first two of the campaign and Donovan Solano in the eighth inning had a three-run bomb off of Craig Stamen and Austin Dickerson was able to provide a home run as well. San Diego obviously has one of the better bullpens that you're going to find out there in the league, but Matt Stram wound up giving it up to Yastrzemski in the ninth inning and for Chris Paddock, he wound up having a solid start in this one. He goes five innings, gives up two runs, but then from there, bullpen, a combined three innings, giving up five runs. Not what you expect from the Padres. And for the Padres, Manny Machado was able to go deep off of one Johnny Cueto for his second home run of the year. Trent Grisham goes deep off of Sean Anderson. His second of the campaign as the Padres were able to play four runs in the fourth inning as for Cueto, three and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up four runs, all of which were earned. There's right now some question marks as to whether or not the San Francisco Giants are going to be going with Kevin Gosman or not because there was fear that he might come in in long relief into this game. They actually wound up being Tyler Anderson who winds up giving up no runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. Sean Anderson winds up giving up two runs after Cueto winds up giving up his four, so they were able to hold down the fort with that regard. And for the San Francisco Giants, three of eight with men in scoring position, so they certainly were able to get the job done there. And then the night wrapped up with the Seattle Mariners being able to take down the LA Angels. As I do this podcast right now, the Seattle Mariners are up by a count of 10 to 7. I have to upload this by midnight Pacific, so that's why I'm cutting it a little bit short. But with that said, for the Seattle Mariners, they were able to get a nice home run in this game as they were able to hang a five spot in the sixth inning with Dylan Moore being able to provide a home run, his first of the campaign. And then with the LA Angels, a counter in that sixth inning with a three spot of their own for the LA Angels. Justin Upton was able to go deep off of Brian Shaw, newest addition to the Seattle Mariners bullpen, his second of the campaign. You also had Brian Goodwin going deep. And then you also had Shoei Otani, his first of the campaign. And for the Seattle Mariners, they've only played, I believe, now one under on the year, depending on your number that you had when they had a 6-3 game against the Houston Astros, but certainly they've been a good over team. We're going to be talking to Ariel about that in the next segment as they've been a good over team. The Pittsburgh Pirates going into Wednesday were a very good over team as well. And for the LA Angels, it's just one of these situations in which a bullpen is completely atrocious. As I'm doing this podcast, they've won a grand total of three innings and they have given up a grand total of eight runs, all of which were earned after Andrew Heaney wound up being able to give the team a pretty decent start. Two runs over the course of five innings. And for the Seattle Mariners, well, the pitching is still a big question mark. Justin Dunn did not get it done. Three innings pitch. He winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned. Their bullpen also acting as gas cans in four innings of relief. As I do this podcast, they've given up four runs. So certainly an interesting day of baseball. So that is what we all saw from the Diamond on Wednesday. Now let's talk to Ariel Epstein just about why she is now becoming more of a game-by-game better like myself in baseball. We're going to be talking to her about what she is looking for on Thursday and just what she's been seeing with these pitchers not going as deep and how she's been approaching it. And that's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. She does great work with SportsGrid along with MSG. She does a little bit of everything for those two outlets. She is known as a prop queen, doing some stuff with the FanDuel Sportsbook shows as well. You follow her on Twitter at Ariel Epstein. Last name is spelled E-P-S-T-E-I-N. And that is all together as it is Ariel joining me right here on the podcast. And 
It is great to have you aboard. Hopefully you've been enjoying the first week or so of the season. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate coming on. I've listened to you a whole bunch, so it's great to be here. I appreciate that. Thank you. And what have you really taken away from the first week of the season so far? Because one thing that I'm really noticing as compared to past years is that typically it takes pitchers a few starts to get going. And with that, typically your aces, they'll go like an inning or less than normal. But we're noticing that you're seeing very, very few guys are able to give you five strong innings right now. If you could get four solid innings out of a starter, I would consider it a win with your bets. And being as though a lot of people either bet the first five or the full game, obviously that can be a little bit of an issue because even when you take the first five, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to avoid these bullpens. That's what was disappointing for a lot of people. Look at the Houston Astros and LA Dodgers game. The Houston Astros were up two to nothing until the top of the fifth inning where the Los Angeles Dodgers scored five runs. Whoever had that Houston Astros first five bet, which I'm sure it wasn't too many people, I felt terrible for them, to be honest. I thought that the first five inning bets, though, the ones that I've bet have been pretty successful, yet there obviously is concern with the bullpens. That's what's so hard about betting baseball games early, especially in a 60-game season. You're trying to save your starters. You hope nothing happens to them. Unfortunately, we're already seeing that the Dodgers pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, out with back soreness. We're hearing that Corey Kluber for Texas hurt his arm. Justin Verlander out for an extended period of time because of his elbow. There are a lot of injuries to pitchers early on. You have to hope that we don't see another downfall for the rest of them. I think that the Aces haven't been too disappointing. Max Scherzer wasn't able to see the light at the end of the tunnel because the game ended up getting called in the fifth inning for the Yankees-Nats opener due to rain. Garrett Cole, the same story. We couldn't see how far those pitchers would actually go. I think it's those middle-of-the-pack pitchers that you are talking about, not completing five, six innings. I just think that the bullpens have been what's more shaky and hard to rely on. I'm right there with you. Obviously, Max Scherzer in his first start of the year against the Yankees didn't necessarily look like the Max Scherzer of old, but part of that is because you're going up against the Yankees, and he was still able to give you good length. Meanwhile, when you're betting on a guy like a Josh Lindblom of the Milwaukee Brewers, you just have no <laughs> idea what you're going to get there. So, Oh it's my so gosh. That Brewers-Pirates series has been unbelievable to watch, to be honest. And I've had so much fun the last couple of days. I bet the Brewers on Monday night, and I was so nervous because they were down by four runs heading into the ninth inning. Brewers end up tying the game at five, sending it to extra innings and winning in the 11th. The toughest, most sweatiest, best bet I've had yet. Oh my gosh, that was one in which I was on both sides of the coin because I had the Milwaukee Brewers and the under in that game. So my under was a horrifically terrible beat. The Milwaukee Brewers money line bet is something that had absolutely no chance of getting there whatsoever, but it got there. But as a Milwaukee Brewers fan myself, I'd rather lose the under and get the Milwaukee Brewers money line personally. So there certainly was that, as we know, of Ariel Epstein joining me right here on the podcast. And we have seen quite a few overs so far this year. It does seem to be a little bit more day by day. These days in which you see the number one and number two stars, it seems like you've got a little bit more of an angle to the under. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. When you get these starters that are able to go five innings, you could then insert, I guess you could call it the, and I quote, a little bit more of your trustworthy bullpen arms. And then when you have to scrounge together, I would say that line of demarcation is 12 plus outs from your bullpen. 
that's when you really have to bring in these guys that maybe they wouldn't have been on the 25-man roster last year. You really get into trouble. And then, obviously, you've got the Boston Red Sox. And if you're taking the opponent <laughs> team overs with the Boston Red Sox, congratulations. You're doing terrific right now. Without a doubt. The Boston Red Sox offense has Oof. been so disappointing, though. Not being able to score over four runs in their last three games has been something to watch because when you when I was watching the Mets play the Red Sox, the Mets scored some runs early. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, this game could go over if the Red Sox lineup actually shows up. We all know, or at least a lot of us knew going into the season, the Red Sox pitching was going to be a problem. Yet when you look at the lineup on paper, you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe the lineup could keep them in some games. That hasn't been the case at all. I've actually been surprised by the teams that have been hitting these overs. Seattle and Pittsburgh are the two best teams to the overs in Major League Baseball so far this season, with Seattle going 4-0-1 and Pittsburgh going 4-1 this season to the over. The secret with that is the Seattle Mariners were actually very good to the over in 2019. It's not necessarily because they're great on offense, which they actually can from time to time get some home runs. I do like the two Kyles in the lineup. Kyle Seeger along with Kyle Lewis, but the pitching is a problem for both of these teams. <laughs> I, we were just talking about the first couple games of that Brewers versus Pirates series. It was absolutely unbelievable, the bad bullpen pitching there. And then with the Seattle Mariners, you don't have any good starters. You don't have any good relievers. Let's face it, it's just been a hot mess. And then you've got the Texas Rangers on the other end. You have to take some of these ballpark factors into consideration because we know that whenever there's a game at Wrigley Field, you never really see a total that's posted up until the morning just because the bookmakers want to see how the wind is blowing and everything like that. And when you take a look at the Texas Rangers, you can't use any of the historical data from Globe Life Park because this new ballpark is playing completely differently and nothing is going out of it. This new Globe Life ballpark definitely is playing like a hitter's park so far. That's what's always so intriguing about new stadiums. How are teams going to adjust? It's why I think that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to struggle going forward. I've been surprised by the Blue Jays this year. Having a good record right out the gates, they, I think, are third place right now in the AL East. Yet, when you have to go through the course of a season and you're a bunch of young players and you're stuck in hotels for the course of two months, that's going to, at some point, you would think, catch up to them. Toronto is going to have to play in a new stadium in the Buffalo Bisons. Toronto is actually going to be the home team, I guess you could say, at Nationals Park for the series. Can you imagine having to be Max Scherzer making a start and having to come in as the away opponent in your home <laughs> ballpark? So I think that Toronto is going to have a very weird season ahead of them. Oh, I am right there with you. It certainly is interesting. And if we could get the Buffalo Wings as their mascot so far this year, I'd be very happy about that just because it is so strange. It's 2020. Why the heck not? As we do have Ariel Epstein joining me right here on the podcast. We're renaming teams already anyway. Oh, yeah. The Miami Marlins are just the Miami Fish Fry because... Well, they're trying to fry up the schedule right now, and I remember talking to David Behrman on this podcast yesterday. Obviously, that's going to have an impact on season wins, and I was saying it before the season. I really don't want any part of long-term bets right now. I typically am a day-by-day better to begin with. I think it's all the more important this year just because we've seen it early on this year. Clayton Kershaw gets scratched from his opening day start hours before the season begins. Juan Soto gets start get scratched hours before his start to the season. You wound up seeing it with, obviously, Jose Urania. We've seen it with Rich Hill. So many of these guys wind up getting scratched. Heck, for the San Francisco Giants, we don't know who's starting for them until a few hours before the game with regards to their starting pitchers. 
I do think that while you want to be able to get the best number, you want to be able to have closing line value. At the same time, you've really got to be doing your due diligence because even if you get five cents better on the line, it does you no good if you get five cents better on the line with Washington Nationals. And then you find out, oh, three of their starters are out of the fold. All that five cents is now meaningless. I agree with you, especially because it doesn't seem like you're getting any extra value for placing these futures bets. If you were to tell me that these lines would have gone up significantly, let's say for the Dodgers and Yankees, the Dodgers were at plus 380 for the World Series title. The Yankees were at plus 400. If FanDuel or DraftKings, but we use FanDuel at SportsGrid, if they were to say, hey, because of all the COVID issues and the uncertainty, we're going to juice this up. We're going to add a little bit more to this. We're going to give it to you plus 800, plus 850. I would have said, great. That's giving me a little bit less risk, and I'm getting a little more reward. There hasn't been any difference in the futures odds. Why am I going to place a bet with no value? If anything, that's why everyone was so high on the Cincinnati Reds or the Oakland Athletics. You got some value by betting them in an uncertain situation. Yet what I think we're really seeing by looking at the standing so far and team win totals, there hasn't really been a team that's come out and made me think, wow, like the Cincinnati Reds, everyone was so high on. Look at the Reds right now, one in four to start the season. I wasn't high on the Reds. You're talking about a team that had 70-something wins last year. Essentially, to be a playoff team, the Reds would have to win 15 more games than they did last year. I don't think a team's going to win 15 more games just because it's half a season. The teams that are currently leading, you have the Rays in first because the Yankees haven't played since it feels like opening day. The Rays, the Indians, the Astros. The Twins are right there with the Indians, just have played one less game than them. All the top teams are contending the way everyone envisioned them to, at least in the American. Yep, I'm right there with you. And obviously, the National League, you've got a little bit of a cluster out there in the NL Central. That is to yes. be expected. And I was right there with the you. The Dodgers were the biggest surprise, losing two to the Giants. That was the biggest surprise. I will agree with you there. The Colorado Rockies actually doing something. I think that a lot of people wrote off the Colorado Rockies. They've actually gotten mm-hmm. off to a nice start to the year. I had them on Tuesday. That was a nice plus money cash against the Oakland A's. So I was very happy about that. And moving forward... Do you think that there might be a little bit of value on underdogs? Because we saw it during the weekend. These underdogs were cashing left and right. We were talking about the Cincinnati Reds. They wind up losing two to the Detroit Tigers. We just mentioned the LA Dodgers losing two to the San Francisco Giants, which is how wild and crazy of a year. And you don't know if maybe you're supposed to get an ace on the mound. He winds up getting scratched at the last minute. Obviously, that's going to place a lot more value on the underdog because it's very rare, which it's like, oh, you're supposed to get like, Manuel Benuelos going for the Chicago White Sox. And instead you get Lucas Giolito. Congratulations. That's not the way it works. <laughs> Typically it's said it's like, oh, you were supposed to get Jacob DeGrom. Oh, nope. Now you get J- Jurisic Familia as a starter. Spanish for blown save. Good luck with that. So I do think that it's one of these spots at which it does lend a little bit more value on the underdog with these scratches. Because if you wound up getting a big name getting scratched, typically that team is going to be a favorite. And then it points a little bit more value to these dogs. FanDuel's done something really interesting for post-COVID-19. If you go to FanDuel and you go to place a bet, right before you hit to place your bet, you have the listed pitchers options. It's action, the two pitchers, and then it gives you the option of both pitchers. The automatic, when you place your bet, the automatic is on action, meaning anyone who's throwing in that game is going to qualify as a good bet. You can then choose, well, maybe if I just want, let's say, as for Wednesday night's game against the Orioles, Garrett Cole. 
I could hit the option of Garrett Cole, meaning I want my bet to hit as long as Garrett Cole is pitching. Or you could say both pitchers. I need both pitchers listed. I need them both to be pitching in order for my bet to be valid. You have all four of those options on the FanDuel Sportsbook, which I think shows you that these scratches at the last minute are really prevalent right now, whether it be someone test positive for COVID or whether it be that a pitcher is injured. I think the issue, too, with people like us in the sports gambling business is we're relying on the reporters. We're relying on people finding out what's going on in the clubhouse prior to the game. I think we're hearing that these scratches are happening so late because the reporters don't really have the access that they once used to. I'm in total agreement with you there, and I'm glad that you brought that up with FanDuel as well because we are seeing that a lot of these books, they are going to action only, and the fact that you get to see who the pitchers are just before you place that bet that is big. And I do think that with the 2020 season, Different situations call for different bets. Like, if you were going to bet on Max Scherzer yesterday, you probably want to be going pitcher-dependent with Max Scherzer because if he winds up getting scratched, well, you're not going to be getting value with the Washington Nationals. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the same time, if you're going to take the over in that Nationals versus Toronto Blue Jays game with Max Scherzer going, if Max Scherzer gets scratched, well, I don't think that you went more bearish on the over. So I do think that it is one of these spots where you do have different bets for different situations. If you think a game is going to go over, starting pitcher getting scratched, not going to make much of an impact. If you think Jacob DeGrom is going to go for the New York Mets, he's out of the fold and you're on the New York Mets. Well, you probably want to be going pitcher dependent there. Exactly. That's what's been challenging, especially for the futures market. For example, you look at the Houston Astros, you're thinking to yourself the Houston Astros should win the AL West. Justin Verlander ends up getting scratched, and nonetheless, for a long period of time, with a hurt elbow. The Astros, to me, then, you can go game by game. You can like a game that Granky's in. You could like a game against an opponent like Seattle. Yet, in the futures market, now you're kind of regretful that the ace is gone. I think that's why betting the futures market in any of these sports is so uncertain. The only one that I maybe would think about is, and I'm not because of value purposes, is the NBA. The NBA, the top-heavy teams, always seem to come out on top. The NBA is in a bubble. My guess is unless someone unexpectedly leaves the bubble, we're not going to see an uptick in positive tests. We haven't seen any yet. There have been zero positive tests in the last testing cycle. Same goes for the NHL, except the NHL format is a little bit crazy. We all know that the NHL playoffs are already nuts. Then to throw in the new format... The NBA is probably the futures market that I would trust the most. Otherwise, the futures market to me is completely out the window. I'm going game by game just like you are. I absolutely love it as we do have Ariel Epstein does great work with FanDuel, SportsGrid, list goes on and on joining me right here on the podcast. And Ariel, just taking a look at the betting board for Thursday, is there any games that really stand out to you? Looks like we're going to be getting a bunch of number two starters. I know that we've been a little bit bearish on the Reds, but I do think that this is going to be a good spot for Luis Castillo. I'm going to be looking at that for my New York Post play. Is there anything that really stands out for you on this board? Yeah, I like that Luis Castillo-U Darvish matchup. That's interesting. Shane Bieber and Jose Barrios, another solid matchup there for Cleveland, Minnesota. That's a matchup for the top of the division. I like the matchup. That's going to be a very tight line. But Jay Happ and John Means for Yankees and Baltimore, I would probably lean the Yankees there. The line's going to probably be absolutely crazy, too. 
So those are the games that stand out to me off the bat. I think that the game that's going to be the game of the night would probably be the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I agree with you. The Minnesota Twins have been swinging some hot bats. They add Josh Donaldson to a lineup that already set the record for most home runs in a season during the 2019 campaign. So no question, they've certainly been getting the job done. And speaking of getting the job done, Ariel does that with all the shows that she does for MSG. FanDuel, Sports Grid, list goes on and on. So, Ariel, let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're doing in general. You've got a pretty loaded schedule with sports coming back into our lives, and you're doing a great job covering a little bit of everything. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm on Twitter at Ariel Epstein, also on Instagram at Ari Epps, and then, of course, on all of the social media platforms for Sports Grid as well. FanDuel and Sports Grid just came together to an agreement and a partnership. There's a lot of different cross-promoting between FanDuel and SportsGrid now. So we are kind of all over the place. SportsGrid Radio just expanded as well. We're going to be out in California on a radio broadcast. So that's really cool, too. It's the morning after is our show on SportsGrid from 9 to 12, 9 a.m. Eastern time to 12 p.m. Eastern time. And I can tell you right now, I actually began my career with an internship with Yahoo Sports Radio. That's out SB Nation Radio. They do a little bit with SportsGrid. They've come together and they've been doing some great stuff. And Ariel has been an integral part of so many of their shows. She is absolutely terrific. And you just heard it on this podcast. Big thanks to Ariel Epstein for joining me. Now it is that time podcast coming up next. I give you a signed total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board for the MLB on Thursday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in MLB Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Ariel Epstein. Does a great job with variety of different outlets, sports grid, FanDuel, along with MSG, you name it, she does it for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a signing total on every game on Thursday's MLB betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1. This is one of these situations in which we do have a couple games that are a little bit iffy at this point. I sort of know where I want to go with them, but with that said, in Washington versus Toronto, we're seeing a very limited amount of books that currently have that game up. And then with the Giants versus Padres game, as of the time that I'm doing this podcast, no announced starter there, but I will be doing my best. And we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, as per usual with this. This begins with 951-952 on the betting board and my New York Post play of the day as we've got the Chicago Cubs hitting the road face up against the Cincinnati Reds. Luis Castillo is going to be going for the Reds. Meanwhile, you Darvish is going to be going for the Cubs. If you're looking at this total, it is sitting at 9. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Reds, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 118 and minus 125. Meanwhile, in the Cubs, anywhere between plus 108 and plus 115 is what you're looking at in that spot. And this is a situation which I'm going to be going with the Reds and Luis Castillo. With Castillo, he's done an absolutely terrific job. Dating back to the beginning of the 2019 season, he's really given up three runs or more in under 30% of his starts. He has been absolutely terrific with that regard. You take a look at Yu Darvish as well. I will say this. He was actually a much better pitcher on the road than he was at home during the 2019 
2018 season. He is the one Chicago Cubs pitcher that's like that because typically with a lot of these Cubs pitchers, they stink on the road. They are actually pretty good at home. He is the exact opposite. He had an ERA that was hovering right around like a 3-2 on the road at home. It was nearly 5, so that is something I've done. And with Luis Castillo, what I like about him is that he's able to limit the hard contact. He gave up right around one home run per nine innings. He's able to get you right around 11 punch-outs per nine as well. Walks are a little bit of an issue, but in his first start of the year, just one walk in six innings to get the Detroit Tigers. Bullpen from there wound up gas canning it. And speaking of a gas can bullpen, Chicago Cubs right now lead the MLB with regards to bullpen ERA. It is not good, and that's putting it very politely. They got heavily taxed because Kyle Hendricks wound up getting lit up like a Christmas tree on Wednesday. And for the Cincinnati Reds, it's big that Mike Moussak is back in the fold. He wound up getting two at-bats in the game. He wound up being able to get a hit, two RBI, and a long bomb. So that's what you like. Nick Cassianos was playing for the Cubs last year. He was able to go deep in that game as well. And then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds in general. A little bit of a feast or famine team, but they certainly have pop in the bat with guys like Eugenio Suarez. You still have Joey Votto, who... Does a good job of being able to get on base. And then with the Chicago Cubs, the bottom of the lineup has been performing quite well. Guys like Nico Horner, Victor Carantini. You even take a look at a guy like David Bodie whenever he's out there. They've been very solid. And Avi Baez was able to give the team a pair of home runs earlier in a game in this series. But Chris Bryant is really struggling. Yeah, I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. But we've seen a couple early season struggles from Chris Bryant. Anthony Rizzo has been able to give this team a pair of home runs. But batting average has not necessarily been there. I think that Luis Castillo is going to do a very good job of keeping the Chicago Cubs off guard. I think that this is a spot in which you're going to need to look at the bullpens a little bit more because I do think that you Darvish is going to be able to give the Cubs five strong innings in this one, but you just can't trust in this Cubs bullpen, especially knowing that Craig Kimbrell is still out there as well. He was one of the guys that did not wind up getting used on Wednesday along with like Brad Wick, and I think that with the Cincinnati Reds, they're going to have more of their trustworthy guys like a Rossiel Iglesias available, and I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So we're going to wind up taking this total under, and we are going to ride with the Cincinnati Reds. 9.53, 9.54 on the bang board is next. Eric Fetty and the Washington Nationals are going to be playing in Washington, D.C., but they're officially the road team against the Toronto Blue Jays, where it's going to be Hinjin Roo is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Right now, this is only available at Bet Online, and you're seeing the Blue Jays at minus 125. Meanwhile, your total on this game is 9.5. The under is just at minus 120, and the over is even. And if you're looking at the Nationals, you're going to be finding them at plus 115. Like I said, that's only one book, so this is something that I expect to vary a little bit more, and I would probably think that the Blue Jays would be a little bit more of a favorite when it's all said and done, but this is a spot where I am going to be taking a look at Injin Roo. He wound up having a little bit of a rough start to begin his Toronto Blue Jays career, but what I like about him is the fact that he just doesn't walk a lot of guys. Throughout his career, he's been right around two and a half or fewer walks per nine innings. I think that that's very big, obviously. He's had a little bit of a tough time staying healthy in his career, but you take a look at the other side for Washington. Eric Fetty actually gave this team a very good start in that series against the New York Yankees. So I do think that he's a guy that sometimes gets a little bit forgotten about. Wasn't necessarily terrific with regards to length, but four innings giving up one run. He did his job there. And that's always been the thing with Eric Fetty. He always has a solid ERA. He just doesn't necessarily give a lot of length. He had a 450 ERA during the 2019 campaign. Actually posted up a 4-2 record. Just limited opportunity. And the big thing with him is that sometimes he can get a little bit happy with the walks. A 1.2 strikeout to walk rate that is absolutely atrocious. And then with the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that it feels like they're a little bit feast or famine with the bat still. You still got quite a few guys that are young for this team. This team is without Bo Bichette, so you have no Bichette in this lineup. To 
Oscar Hernandez has been doing a solid job at the top of the fold, but you take a look at their top batter with regards to batting average. That's currently Derek Fisher, and he was hitting in the nine hole on Wednesday. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is a guy that certainly has a lot of power, but he's not doing the best job of being able to get on base at this point. And this is a team that they don't take walks in general. Meanwhile, you take a look at what has been going on with the Washington Nationals. Talk about a team that has not been able to cash in on opportunities. Even though they got the win on Wednesday, they wind up going 2 of 13 with runners in scoring position. This team has been making a lot of outs with Trey Turner down for what and Emilio Bonifacio on the bases. Eric Thames is sitting at the Mendoza line as Rubel Cabrera has been able to hit right around at 2.30 for the team. And Adam Eaton has done an okay job. He was able to give that team the RBI that they needed to be able to win the game. You got a couple extra ones from Azdrubal, but this is a bunch at Carter Keyboom is a solid prospect. I just don't know if he's going to be able to put things together this year. Michael A. Taylor hitting below the Mendoza line. Victor Robles has actually been solid, but Juan Soto did not wind up playing in the team's game yesterday. There's a chance that he might be able to play today, but what form of Juan Soto you're going to be able to get is anyone's question. And I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to pull this game out. Obviously not having Ken Giles in the fold is going to be big, but I do think that this is a spot in which we are going to see both of these starters go deep. I am going to wind up taking this little under as this series in general. Just has been a big giant underfest. And I'm going to be riding with Hinjin Ru. I think that he's going to be able to go six strong in this one. So we're going to ride with the Toronto Blue Jays. 955, 956, and 957, 958 are both skips. That was supposed to be Marlins and Orioles and Phillies and New York Yankees respectively. Obviously, those games have been postponed. You're instead going to have at the end of this podcast, me breaking down the New York Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles. So we move on to 959-960 on the betting board as it's the Kansas City Royals hitting the road faceoff against the Detroit Tigers. Yvonne Supernova goes for the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, Brady Singer is on the mound for the Kansas City Royals. Bit of a tight line here, but you're finding the Kansas City Royals as now a little bit of a favorite. You're going to be finding them anywhere in the realm of minus 113 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Detroit Tigers, the size of plus 110, you're going to be finding them as low as about a plus 102, plus 103. And your total on this game, it is 10. If you're looking at the over, it is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And I really like what I saw out of Brady Singer in his first start. Wound up being able to go five strong against the Cleveland Indians. Gave up two runs in the process. Did a good job with seven punch-outs. He did give up two walks. I do think that that might be a little bit of an issue, but he was a dominant college pitcher at Florida. He really rose up the minor league ranks very fast. This guy two years ago, I think it was, was drafted by the Kansas City Royals. Good plus stuff. Nice fastball. I like what I've seen out of him. And Ivan Nova is just that guy that year after year after year, you sort of know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to give up a lot of home runs during the 2019 campaign. I believe he led the league in total home runs given up, but he actually closed out the year on a flurry 472 ERA over the last three years in the big leagues. He's had an ERA between a 414 and a 472. And why didn't you know it? First start of the year, five innings. He gives up three runs. That is classic Yvonne Nova right there. The Detroit Tigers had to use up quite a few of their trustworthy bullpen arms to be able to get the win against the Kansas City Royals on Wednesday. So that's something that you're taking a look at as I believe it was Joe Jimenez that wound up closing out the game for his fourth save of the campaign. And then with the Detroit Tigers, you certainly are getting a little bit of pop in the bat out of Jonathan Scope along with CJ Crone. Scope was able to get his second home run the campaign yesterday. You also have Jacoby Jones all of a sudden being able to come alive. What is big for this team is batting average with so many of these guys is right now very low. Nico Goodrum, Miguel Cabrera, CJ Crone, Christian Stewart, 
Harold Castro, along with Grayson Griner, all hitting at 227 or lower. Now, I will say with Goodrum, he's been able to draw a couple walks, but you take a look on the other side for the Kansas City Royals. Whit Merrifield has a 16-game hit streak against this bunch. He just owns the Detroit Tigers. Adalberto Mondesi is certainly not providing a lot. He's hitting a buck 20, but you take a look at what you're able to get out of Mikel Franco. He's been a good addition. He wound up having a pair of home runs in a game a few days ago. Now, Salvador Perez has struggled a little bit, but I think he's going to be able to pick it up. He was dealing with COVID-19. It's been affecting guys very, very differently. And with the Royals, this is just a team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of batting average, but you still have a guy in Jorge Soler that wound up leading the American League in home runs during the 2019 campaign. And the bullpen for this team is actually not too bad. They did wind up using Scott Barlow for 25 pitches. You can't think that he's going to be available for this one, but with that said, I have a little bit more faith here in Singer because with Nova, it just feels like you're probably going to see another start in which he winds up going five or six innings. He gives up three runs. I think that Singer, with his plus stuff, is actually going to stymie the Detroit Tigers a little bit. So we are going to be going with the Kansas City Royals in this spot, and we are going to be going with this total under as well. We move on to 961, 962 on the betting board. You've got the Tampa Bay Rays, and they are hitting the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Mad Max Freed is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got Ryan Yarbrough, and your total on this game is 8.5. The over is just a minus 120, and the under is even. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves, they ticked up as high as minus 140 in some spots, seeing more minus 135s. That means with the Rays, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 130. I don't understand why so many people poo-poo on the Tampa Bay Rays because I really like them in this spot with the Tampa Bay Rays. Ryan Yarbrough has been a very solid starter in this league. You take a look at what he was able to do during the 2019 campaign. He wound up having a strikeout to walk rate that was hovering right around 6 absolutely ridiculous. He wound up posting up a 4-1-3 ERA, but what you forget is that he got off to just an absolutely terrible start after, like, I would say early May. He had an ERA that was hovering more around 3 for the rest of the year. He was really able to figure it out, and what the Rays have figured out is that he's actually better off when you don't have an opener in for him, so I think that that's going to be big. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays wound up getting a little bit jelacked late in the game on Wednesday against the Atlanta Braves, and for the Braves, it seems like Freddie Freeman is starting to find something. Winds up going 4-5 or five at the plate, 3 RBI. That was absolutely huge, including his first home run of the campaign that came off of Charlie Morton. And for the Atlanta Braves, they did wind up using a couple more trustworthy arms. You're probably going to have Shane Green in the fold in this one, but with Max Freed, it is a little bit of a roll of the dice as to what you're going to be able to get out of him. First start of the year was pretty solid. Five innings, he winds up giving up two runs. Walks have always been a little bit of an issue with him. You take a look at what he did during the 2019 campaign. Very strong start to the year, and then he wound up closing with a little bit of a thud, so you do have to keep that in mind. He's able to give you right around nine and a half punch outs per nine innings, but he also sometimes has a tendency to get taken deep as well. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, this is just a functional lineup. Austin Meadows is still out of the fold for this bunch, but I do like the fact that at the top of the lineup, you do have a guy in Brandon Lau that's hitting above a 300. Joey Wendell all of a sudden has been able to do a good job of getting on base as well. You've got to think that their addition from Japan in Yoshimito, Sutsogo is going to continue to develop. He wound up being able to give the team a home run in that series against the Toronto Blue Jays. And he's been doing a good job of being able to draw some walks, so I do like what I'm seeing out of him. And then you've got more pop in the bat with Hunter Renfro. Obviously, he's never going to hit for a good average. He hit for like a 220 last year. He's on pace for that so far this year, but he is able to give this team a little bit of pop. I do think that this is a situation in which the pitching depth of the race is going to be able to win out in this spot. I do think that Ryan Yarbrough is going to be able to deliver a good start. I don't think that Max Freed is necessarily going to get completely shelled in this spot. I think that he winds up going 
something like five innings, gives up two or three runs, but I think it's going to be just enough because we've seen Ryan Yarbrough, and he does a good job of being able to perform on the road. So for that reason, we are going to be rolling with the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot, and we are going to be going with the total under as well. 963 and 964 on the betting board. You gather yourself the Boston Red Sox hitting the road to face off against the New York Mets. Steven Matz is going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Martin Perez is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. If you're looking at the Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Boston, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145. Your total on this game is 9. Over juice anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And rightfully so that you've got juice on the over in this spot. We saw the total easily go over in the team's game yesterday. And both bullpens wound up getting expended. If you're looking at the New York Mets, Seth Lugo unlikely to be available in this spot. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, you wound up seeing Brandon Workman, Matt Barnes, Heath Embry all wind up getting used. With Embry, you only use three pitches, but with that said, the other two, 15 plus. And with both of these teams, you've got good lineups. The Boston Red Sox were scuffling a little bit. You've still got Rafael Devers who's hitting at the Mendoza line. He's going to be able to pick things up. Xander Bogarts wound up being in a pinch hitting spot on Wednesday as well. You got to think that he might be back in the fold for this one as well. At minimum, he's going to be available to pitch hit. And Christian Vasquez has been doing some good things for this team. Two home runs, three RBI in the team's game yesterday. He's got two home runs on the year, I should say, but five total RBI for him on the campaign. Mitch Moreland has been doing some good things. And for the New York Mets, they should be able to very easily hit Martin Perez. Martin Perez is someone that wound up having an ERA north of a 4-8 while he was with the Minnesota Twins during the 2019 campaign. And that was after he had a really good, like, first month and a half of the campaign. After the good first month and a half of the campaign, he had an ERA that was north of a 5-5. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of this lineup, Michael Conforto hitting a 333. He's got some power. You ain't a but it's got his second home run of the campaign. And then you got Pete Alonso who led the MLB in home runs last season. Obviously, he doesn't necessarily do the world's greatest job of running and being able to get on base, but even a guy like a Dominic Smith, he's able to provide something in the middle of the lineup. And I will continue to say it. Aside from Nathan Eovaldi, as long as you wind up having Erod out of the fold for the Boston Red Sox, this is the worst pitching I've ever seen in my life. Martin Perez got just hit around like a pinata in his last start. I think the same is going to happen here with the Boston Red Sox. You've got a bullpen that's heavily taxed. With the New York Mets, you've got a bullpen that's heavily taxed. But at the very least, for Steven Mets, he has been inconsistent in his career. But first start of the year, he actually looked pretty solid. I do like what I'm seeing out of him. It's just one of these spots in which he's either going to give you like six strong innings and give up one run like he did in his first start of the campaign, or he's going to wind up giving up like six runs and recording no outs. All the more reason to take the over in this spot, and I do think that this is a spot in which the New York Mets are going to be able to win this game by multiple runs. I think they get into that Red Sox bullpen and they hit it hard. Right now, if you're looking at the run line, seeing it right around between plus 120 and plus 125 with the Mets, and I'm going to ride with that to go along with the over. We move on to 965-966 on the betting board. The Cleveland Indians are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Jose Barrios is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Shane Bieber fever goes for the Cleveland Indians. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be finding them anywhere between even money and right around minus 105. Meanwhile, the Indians going to be finding them as low as a minus 105. You're seeing them more around minus 110, and your total on this game is 8.5. With the 8.5, you're mostly seeing the over and under both at minus 110. Seeing a couple overs at minus 115 right now, which will make the under at minus 105. And this is something where I always think that the splits really come into play because Jose Barrios is someone that when he is at home, he is lights out for his career. Has right around a 
3-4-ish ERA when he's at home. It's been even better the last couple years. On the road, he just seemed to scuffle. We saw that in his first hurt of the campaign against the Chicago White Sox. Went four innings, giving up in the process a home run. He wound up giving up a grand total of five runs, so thanks for showing up there. Meanwhile, Shane Bieber, first start of the year, 14 strikeouts in six innings. He was facing the Kansas City Royals, though, and this is the Minnesota Twins, a Twins team that prior to yesterday, they had put up six-plus runs on the board in three out of their first four games. Now, Shane Bieber obviously does a great job of being able to get swings and misses, but he does give up a lot of hard contact. This is someone that, if you watch him, you are going to be holding your breath to see, okay, is he going to give up another home run? Because for his career, he gives up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings. Now, Minnesota is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and we know that the Cleveland Indians do have a little bit more of a trustworthy bullpen than that of the Minnesota Twins, but they wound up having to play a double header earlier this week. We saw Brad Hand get used, and he just did not look good. I have no idea why he's continuing to close for this team. Now, Nick Wickren and company probably going to be in the fold for the Cleveland Indians. That's going to help them out, but what's not helping them out is the lineup. Now, Jose Ramirez has looked very good. 435 batting average after he had a down 2019 season, and that's putting it very politely, but Famio Reyes, ever since he got to Cleveland, he has been no bueno. He is right now hitting a buck 67 for the year. Now, Domingo Santana is doing a little bit of something. He went a little bit cold on Wednesday, but even Francisco Lindor is in a little bit of a scuffle. He got a home run earlier this week, but by and large, hitting at the Mendoza line this year. Oscar Mercado, great in the field, not so much at the plate. And then when you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that has actually been getting some solid production out of the bullpen. They've given up a grand total of five runs over their last three games. So we talk about the Minnesota Twins, the fact that you've got Jake Cave, who he's like a platoon player for this team, and yet he still is a bunch of bombs. Then you've got Max Kepler, Ore Polanco, and I will say Kepler was out of the fold for the team on Wednesday, but with that said, you still got Eddie Rosario, you still got Marwin Gonzalez. All these guys are able to hit a bunch of home runs, and then they add Josh Donaldson in the offseason. He had 37 home runs while he was with the Atlanta Braves. That's absolutely terrific. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians in general. This is a bunch that they do play a little bit better at home than they do on the road. That is certainly something that I am keeping note of. And I do think that Barrios is going to be able to bounce back. He always performs well at home. This is a spot in which I am going to be riding with this total over. I do think that Shane Bieber winds up giving up that hard contact against the Minnesota Twins. And I do think that the Cleveland Indians, though they have a solid bullpen, they are going to wind up giving up some hard contact. And with that said, I do think the Burrios winds up giving up a couple runs as well. I'm going to be riding with the Minnesota Twins in this spot, and I'm going to be taking this total over. We move on to 967, 968 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the D-backs. Meanwhile, Ross Stripling on the bump for the Dodgers. If you're looking at the LA Dodgers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 145 and minus 150. D-backs anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140, and your total on this game is 9.5. Under is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, and the over is anywhere between even and minus 105. The LA Dodgers certainly had a sweat as they wound up going to Mondo extra innings against the Houston Astros on Wednesday. But with that said, with the LA Dodgers, you do have to like the fact that they are getting hitting from a little bit of everyone at this point. Despite the fact that Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, along with Cody Bellinger are all hitting a 210 or lower. And you can throw in there Chris Taylor, who's hitting a 211. You're getting something out of AJ Pollock, who's been absolutely terrific. Edwin Rios winds up coming in for a pinch hit home run. You've even been able to get a little bit of something out of Jack Peterson. He's got an on-base percentage that's hovering right around a 450. He obviously had a bunch of home runs during the 2019 
2019 campaign. And then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is just a team that's been coming up dry at the plate time and time again. We saw it in that series in Texas. The Martes have been able to do a little bit of something. Sterling and Cattell have really been the lifeblood of this team, but you just take a look at what you're getting at the bottom of the heap. It's really nothing. Nick Amad is hitting a 100. Carson Kelly is hitting below 100. Jake Lamb has one hit so far this year. Eduardo Escobar is hitting below the Mendoza line. And then you've got David Peralta who's also doing the same. This team has been able to draw a couple walks, but... Really, you don't have a lot going on for this team, especially with guys like Cole Calhoun and company not being able to pump out those home runs. And as we know, Arizona has been playing a little bit differently in recent years ever since they wound up installing that humidor. And with the LA Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks, it always seems like the Dodgers win by one run. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. This is my non-scientific research here, but it feels like the Dodgers just always have it in their contracts that they must knock off the Arizona Diamondbacks by one run. No more, no less. You've got to think that this is going to be a situation in which this Dodgers bullpen is not going to be able to go far, but what you had to like for Ross Stripling is the fact that in his first start of 2020, seven strong innings, he winds up giving up in the process. One run, it was a solo shot. He does a very good job of being able to be economical with his pitches, which I think is going to be very important. A lot of people look at him as being more of a long reliever in 2019, but they forget in 2018, he was a starter for much of the year. He wound up starting in an all-star game, so I think that that's very big. You take a look at what his strikeout-to-walk rate was during that 2018 season. 6.2, it was 4.7 last year, so I do think that he's going to be able to give the depth that the Dodgers are looking for with the Arizona Diamondbacks scuffling at the plate like they are. I think that this is a very good spot for LA to be able to pick up a win, and I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game, so for that reason, I'm going to be taking the the LA Dodgers in the spot and riding with his total under. 969-970 on the betting board is next. The Seattle Mariners are hitting the road to face off against the LA Angels. Dylan Bundy is going to be going for the Angels. Meanwhile, Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. If you're looking at the LA Angels, you're going to be finding them as low as a minus 185. I'm seeing as high as a minus $2. And with the Seattle Mariners, you're going to be finding them as high as plus 185, as low as about a plus 170. And your total on this game is 9. With the 9, the over is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and even. And certainly the Seattle Mariners have a terrible bullpen. It's one of the worst out there in the big leagues. And it wound up having to get taxed once again as just and done as expected did not necessarily get it done with regards to being able to give a lot of length and for the LA Angels it is certainly big the fact that you now have back in the fold Anthony Rendon he's able to give this team a little bit of a boost and Joey Otani was able to give the team a home run in the game yesterday so that is very good to see Albert Pujols he is the oldest active player in the big leagues and it shows he is hitting currently below a 200 he wound up not even being able to play in the team's game yesterday he was given a day of rest Tommy Lasella he's getting on base but his best Batting average has not necessarily been there. He was very solid at the beginning of the 2019 campaign, and then he unfortunately got hurt. But the real headliner for this team, hitting above a 450, David Fletcher. He's been absolutely terrific for this bunch. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. They're a team that they're able to put up some runs. The Kyles, Kyle Seeger along with Kyle Lewis, they're both doing a very solid job of getting on base with Kyle Lewis. This is someone that he's already got a pair of home runs so far this year. You do have to like the fact that you've been able to get something out of Evan White as well, a promising prospect for them. He wound up being able to get a home run in that series against the Houston Astros certainly has a little bit of a ways to go to be able to be a little bit more of a reliable bat, but he's been able to do a little bit of something. He's still got some speed out there as well with the Gordon, Malik Smith, whenever he's in the fold, though Malik Smith never really gets on base for this team, but J.P. Crawford at the top of the fold.
Gold has been able to do a solid job of doing that. And Tim Lopez, very underrated player. On-base percentage is hovering right around a 400. He was able to give the team a home run a few days ago. He's someone that I think has a bright upside. With that said, this is certainly a Seattle Mariners team that they are not getting the job done when it comes to pitching. But I do think that Marco Gonzalez could be a little bit of an antidote to that. With Marco Gonzalez during the 2019 season, he was very solid. He obviously didn't necessarily have the start that he desired against the Houston Astros. But if you are looking for someone that might be able to give you some very good innings in a start, it is Marco Gonzalez. You take a look at what he was able to do during that 2019 campaign. He ended up giving up a couple too many walks as his K to walk rate was a 2.6. But with that said, a ERA that is below a 4 in his two years at Seattle, he has an ERA that's hovering right in that neighborhood of 4. 16 and 13 record. So he certainly was able to do a good job with that regard. He doesn't necessarily get lit up when it comes to home runs. And with the ballpark out there in Los Angeles, it plays a little bit more pitcher friendly during the nighttime. So I think that that's going to help him out. And for Dylan Bundy, we all know about him with the Baltimore Orioles. This is someone that was giving up home run upon home run upon home run. The LA Angels bullpen is a little bit more fresh because they've been able to get some good starts to begin this series. And with Dylan Bundy in general, I do think that he's going to have a little bit more success in LA. First start of the year, six and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up just one run, seven strikeouts, and no walks. That's very big for him. He's actually got some decent command, but he's always been victimized by the long ball. And I think that this is a spot in which the Seattle Mariners certainly aren't going to be able to do the best job of getting on base, but I do think that they're going to be able to provide that power. Marco Gonzalez, a good left-handed pitcher, is going to be able to hold down the fort. Mike Trout has actually been off to a little bit of a struggle this year, and I think that Seattle might be catching them at just the right time. So for that reason, we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Seattle Mariners, and we're going to be taking the total under as well. And then we've got 971, 972 on the betting board. This is a very tricky game, as you've got the San Diego Padres in the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. It is undecided for the San Francisco Giants. Some are thinking that it might be Logan Webb. Some are thinking it might be Kevin Gosman. Others are thinking that it might be the Loch Ness Monster that winds up going for them. And you just might see Gabe Kapler decide, you know what, screw it, you guys are not doing a very good job. I'm just going to wind up starting myself at the pitcher's spot, and you all defend behind me. And with that said, it's going to be Denelson Lamette who winds up going for the San Diego Padres. And if you're looking at the Padres, you're going to be finding them as low as a minus 175, as high as a minus 167. And if you're taking a look at the San Francisco Giants, you're going to be finding them as high as a plus 165, as low as about a plus 155. And your total on this game is eight and a half shaded to the under. Under is just a minus 120, and the over is even. I'm not going to give you guys a set player because obviously we have no idea what the San Francisco Giants are going to do. Gabe Kapler makes it very difficult on us, so thanks for nothing, Gabe. If I had to guess, I would have to say it's probably going to be Kevin Gosman because as I'm doing this podcast, Kevin Gosman has yet to come in in long relief, so that is a little bit of something that is encouraging for the team. And if it is Kevin Gosman, I might take a look at them because with Kevin Gosman, he certainly is a little bit suspect. I will say that. Not necessarily the greatest start to the year, but he has shown some flashes. In his career, he wound up having an opener come in for him in the second game of the campaign, and he wound up going for it, and he gave up two runs, so you certainly don't know what you're going to be able to get with that regard, but you go back to Kevin Gosman during the 2018 campaign in which he was traded from the Baltimore Orioles to the Atlanta Braves. He was able to really find it while he was with the Atlanta Braves. After that trade, he had a 5-3 and record. He posted up a 287 ERA. This is someone that he's always struggled with walks throughout his career. He's never really had a K-to-walk rate that's above a 
3.7 aside from his very, very brief stint with the Cincinnati Reds in which he was mostly coming in as a relief arm. So there is that, but I do think that this is going to be a spot in which Kevin Gosman is going to be able to show a little bit of something, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And for Nelson Lamette, he has been very solid to begin the year it, towards the end of the 2019 campaign as well. He was starting to put things together. You could tell that he was trying to strike out guys a little bit too much because he's got a lightning fastball, but sometimes the command just wasn't there. That was knocking him out after like five innings or so. And now five innings in this season is very good. As in his first start, eight strikeouts to one walk. That is certainly what you want to see. And with the San Diego Padres, obviously you've got a terrific bullpen. Kirby Yates, most reliable closer in the big leagues. He didn't wind up getting the job done a couple days ago against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you've also got someone like Craig Stamen. Emilio Pagan comes over from the Tampa Bay race. And with the San Diego Padres in general, they've been able to do a good job of being able to put up runs. At least five runs in each out of their last three games and four out of their last five. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has been a big reason why Fernando Tatis Jr., if he would have played a full 162 games during the 2019 campaign, he was on pace for 40 bombs. He's hitting a 316 so far this year. I really like what he's able to bring to the table. Now with this team, sometimes they are a little bit feast for famine, but Trent Grisham, who comes over from the Milwaukee Brewers, he's been a good addition, and he's been able to really make up for the fact that Tommy Pham, ever since he's come over from Tampa Bay, has not necessarily been able to get the job done. Now, you do have guys like Austin Hedges, Francisco Mejia, guys like this that are towards the bottom of the fold that they're not necessarily holding up their end of the bargain, but even though he wound up getting the day off yesterday, Eric Hosmer has been looking much better this year. And for the San Francisco Giants, you actually do have a couple decent bats. Mikey Stremski was able to give the team a home run yesterday. He's hitting above a 350. Austin Dickerson does a nice job of getting on base. Hunter Pence has been a hot mess this year, and Pablo Sandoval. I mean, this is a guy that he came in way out of shape. The catcher spot in general has not been good, and I do think that they are going to be able to get Austin Slater going. He's off to a little bit of a rough start to the season, but you take a look at what he was able to do during the 2019 campaign in limited at-bats. He did a nice job of being able to give this team a little bit of pop. Only a 238 batting average, but a 333 on base. He had some timely RBI for this team. I think that he's going to be a nice cog for this team. So if you're taking a look at this game, if it is Kevin Gosman, I would likely be looking at an under along with the San Francisco Giants. But with that said, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41 since as I'm doing this podcast, we just have absolutely no idea what the Giants are going to do. Makes it difficult, so I do apologize, but I am trying my level best. And we wrap things up with the writing game, 973-974 on the betting board. You've got the New York Yankees hitting the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. John Means is going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, J.A. Hep Ray is going to be going for the New York Yankees. And here's a shocker. The New York Yankees are finding themselves as a massive favorite. You're going to be finding them pretty much at minimum minus $2. I'm seeing them tick as high as minus $2.25. And if you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, I've got to think by the time this podcast uploads, you're going to be finding them at minimum at a plus $1.95. You're probably going to be finding them more in the neighborhood of plus $2. And your total on this game is 10 If you're looking at the over of 10 it is anywhere between minus $1.15. And I'm seeing as high as minus $1.25. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between plus $1.05 and minus Minus 105. I'm seeing a couple of regular 10 and a out there as well. With the 10 and a half unders use anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even a minus 105. And I think that people are really not giving John Means the credit that he deserves. This is someone that during the 2019 campaign was 
actually very solid. He was the all-star for the Baltimore Orioles. He wound up being able to give the team a 381 ERA, 12-11 record. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to get you a bunch of punch-outs right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, but what you had to like about him is just the fact that he kept games out in front of him. He didn't give up a lot of walks. Home run ball is a little bit of a concern. He'll give up right around a home run and a half per nine innings, but he wound up being able to close out the year pretty solidly. Three runs or fewer given up in four out of his last five starts, and that included starts against the Boston Red Sox and the LA Dodgers, so I do give him a little bit of credit there. And then when you take a look at Jay Happ, certainly he was able to put up a good record during the 2019 campaign at 12-8, but 491 ERA, he gives up right around two home runs per nine innings, and with the Baltimore Orioles, if there is something that this team is able to do, they're able to give you a little bit of pop in the bat. Now, I will say the fact that you've got Jose Iglesias hitting in the middle of the fold for this team, that's not necessarily the world's greatest thing, but Austin Say Hayes, he is very good out there in the field. He was able to hit a little bit towards the end of the 2019 season. Certainly, he's been off to a little bit of a rough start this year, but Hanser Alberto, guy that wound up hitting right around 300 last year, he's been doing his thing so far this campaign, and then you've got other guys like a Renato Nunez along Dwight Smith that they're able to do an okay job of getting on base. They're going to be able to provide some bombs, and the New York Yankees set a record last year for most home runs against one specific opponent when they just completely shellack the Baltimore Orioles. I think that means is going to be able to help out with that, but with that said, you still got Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, all these guys that have pulverized throughout their career, the Baltimore Orioles. You still have someone as well in Gio Urshela. He wound up hitting above a 300 last year. A little bit of a rough start to the year this year along with Brett Gardner, but those guys are going to be able to pick it up. DJ LeMay, who's come back from COVID-19, and he wound up going 4 of 5 for the team yesterday. you got to like what you're seeing out of him. This is certainly going to be a game in which I think that runs are going to be a plenty, but I think that Jay Happ is going to give up more runs in this spot than John Means. Now, obviously, bullpen is of the advantage of the New York Yankees, but I think that Happ is just going to be hapless in this spot. I mean, really, the only time the Yankees had trouble with the Baltimore Orioles during 2019 is whenever Jay Happ wound up taking them out. I think that this is the one spot in which you can look at the Baltimore Orioles against the New York Yankees. Your best starter for the Baltimore Orioles against arguably your least trustworthy guy for the New York Yankees. So with that said, going to take the plus price here with the Baltimore Orioles. And we're going to be taking this total over as well. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Thursday. Big thanks to Ariel Epstein. Does a terrific job with Fan duel along with Sports Grid for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, write it into my timeline, Nature 41. Hope you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. And I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.